Greyhound to trap one. Over. Welcome to the Trap One Podcast, episode number 100. Woo. Hey! <laughs> I'm Mark. I'm Keith. I'm Colin. So, on this 100th podcast episode, I found the two tame Six Doctor fans to discuss <laughs> the Blu-ray release of season 23, aka Trial of a Time Lord. First, it's just time to discuss some recent very exciting news from the last week. Fury from the Deep is being released as an animation next year, alongside the previously announced Faceless ones. Are we all excited about this? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's one of those like quintessential trout stories, isn't it? Plus, uh, the completest front, it writes out Victoria as well, so you get her... Uh, hopefully we'll get her oh, dogs when we'll get out. Oh, sorry! <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. I've, uh, I, I'm, uh, I, I kind of... I've seen a few Troutons, but weirdly, I'm kind of saving them. And I've seen, I saw, the first thing I think I saw was the Mind Robber on some 1993 repeat, and I loved it. And also with the Five Doctors and the Two Doctors. But I've rarely gone into it because I, I kind of want to save it. And there's like two Pertwees I've not seen either. I know this, I mean, you may as well hang up the call now, guys. Uh, but um, I, I, you know, I, I will get to Fury from the deep of um, faceless things um, <laughs> and I love it but uh, I've just never I've never really um, dived in I was a little what bit a like, podcast I am I, am. <laughs> I was a little bit like that before the new series came back the way I sort of didn't want to have seen them all and then the last story I hadn't seen was the time monster um so I, I got the vhs and i watched it a week before rose was broadcast uh so that was my uh, my final classic series story they didn't nice really one. go out with a bang but uh the last story i didn't have which i recorded off uk goal was megalos so i sort of went on yeah. a squib as well to be honest <laughs> <laughs> yeah i think you've got, probably got the right idea we're waiting for fury from the deep or uh, the war games or something you're just hanging on just to see if they discover it or not or uh no, no. I well, I mean, I would like to see the originals, obviously, but I mean, that just seems unlikely. But um, actually, the other one is uh, that I have seen is the War Games, and I think it is amazing. I think it's. I mean, we're, it's totally obvious, but um, I think it's incredible. Really, really brilliant. So um, yeah, and I've got some others on D- on DVD, and I'll, I'll I'll go to them at some point. But for now, I'm just sort of potter potter about in the. Tom, Peter, Colin, Silv, Zone, and you know, yeah. So what are they doing then? They, it's um, it's is it a, is it Rob Ritchie and Chris Chapman? Is it those two? I don't I don't know who does them. I think this one. It's sort of um, as I understand it, is a is a wing of Big Finish, isn't it? Is it what um, studio that Gary Russell worked oh, in Australia? It's the people who did the uh, Reign of Terror, is it? Yeah, the earlier ones. Um, so yeah, you've actually got two companies working on them now, haven't you? You've got the the, the Rob Ritchie um, animated faceless ones, um, right. and this is it's called Big Finish Creative, I think, something like something that. Something like that. Yeah. So, um, good for them. Good for them. At least mm. two a year. That it was like, doesn't it? So at this rate, that'll close the gaps. I mean, the, the trouble is, they're only going to be left with the historicals, I suppose, at some point. Um, mm. Which, uh, yeah, <laughs> they, um, <laughs> they, you know, they might be a harder sell. But I suppose once you've got all the um, all the sci-fi ones out, 
you've got a sense of completism then that you're going to have to keep going and get the uh, get the historical. So hopefully the funding model will still work um, for... Uh, for well, I think most Doctor Who fans have the completion instinct anyway, don't they? Yeah. So uh, they're probably onto a winner there. Speaking of which, the other big news uh, from this week is that season, the season 12 Blu-ray collection is getting a limited re-release, which is probably more exciting for me than you guys. Um, but uh, yeah, it means that I can hopefully complete my Blu-ray collection. I'm bored with mine. I just use it as a doorstop. <laughs> Stops the drive. No, you don't. We don't <laughs> no, I just wave it in front of my friends who haven't got it yet. <laughs> Well, I've been checking Amazon twice a day since this was announced. Um, at time of recording, it's, right. it's still not on there. Um, but I would like to anybody listening, if you can wait to order yours until I've already ordered mine, I'll put it on Twitter or something like that. That would be, that'd be great. Unless it was just a practical joke just to wind everybody up. I think that would be a... I, that that would be so explode. funny, wouldn't it? I would love that. Oh, I'm... It's no, like saving Mark's head and putting the uh, body of... Uh, the mind of... I don't know, um, Pete's inside, and then that's, you know, ending up saying that he'd actually got married to... This, I don't know where this metaphor is going. But, um, <laughs> His eyes are willing to tears. I should leave it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we, we saw Chris Chapman at the Warp Convention, and he seemed like too nice of a guy to, to troll people I like that. It. Definitely. Unless that's what he wanted mm. to think. Maybe. <laughs> he, he's just... he No, he's, he's absolutely boundless energy as well. He is... Um, um, uh, just the nicest guy, boundless energy. Him and Toby Ado were uh, a you know great combination. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's he's like he's the visual of Mark Ayres, you know. I would say so. Mark, you know, all, all the all the sound, all the even when we talk about it in a minute, but um, all the great work he's done on all these box sets. And Chris is like the um, uh, the the sort of documentary side and. Mm-hmm. Um, features and sort of running the running the range as well i think with someone else as well but um excuse me if i'm getting all these um comparisons wrong but yeah it's obviously something he is deeply passionate about yeah on your point of mark about the on the season 12 box set Mm. i mean uh you know i mean i think the season 10 one is out of print now as well so you you have to be quick and it and it kind of begs the question well where are these going to go um how can people get them once the once they've gone out of print do they just re-release them in the with the same deluxe packaging or will it be um like a clamshell release or something like that or can it go digital and i think they're on itunes but you, you itunes just can't get special features it just can't do them right. or they've just never been asked to do them really really well uh correct me if i'm wrong but um it, uh, you know, there's still going to have to be a grab them while you can. Why did you not get it, Mark? How did you miss this? <laughs> because he's cheap. <laughs> <laughs> we know that. <laughs> I, I didn't realise they were limited edition. Um, so I thought I had all the time in the world. I thought, I'm gonna, I'll get that for Christmas. Wait for the price to come down. Because I've already got them on, on DVD. <laughs> and then uh, it, what seemed like about 10 days later, um, they were sold out everywhere. Uh, so yeah, yeah, I've been kicking myself continuously ever since. To be fair, I hadn't pre-ordered it. I just wandered into HMV and it was there and thought, well, I'll just get that. Yeah. I didn't expect it to be a rush either, so it was pure luck on my yeah. part as well, to be honest. Uh, actually, that's another good point, is um, I've ordered my season 26 
through HMV, now that they're back up and running, mm. the, you know, the store near me closed for like two or three months. Mm. And I was like, what do I do on Saturdays anymore? And so I, you know, fully intend to support them in the, in this way now. Um, and, and you're And the other thing is, you know, these don't drop in price. No. They go up in price. Once they go out of print, you know, it'll be 40 quid flat. Um, and until they're gone because there's, there's constant demand and then it, drops off a cliff you can't get more people buying them at you know uh at, at less because they need it to mm. do all to do all the work they put into it because of the machinations of uh, amazon not not actually sending mine i got mine to season 23 from uh, hmv and there's quite a lot in there on the day and now they've all gone so even yeah. shall we say a slightly less popular series is uh, selling just as well and again, it comes down to the completism probably as well, doesn't it? True. The, uh, or maybe Amazon doesn't send yeah. them to anybody near me. <laughs> <laughs> but I understand part of the reason that, um, as you said, Season 10 sold out is because these have been delayed overseas now. Like uh, Australia still don't have their Season 10 release. So uh, I get the impression that people from there are ordering them from the UK yeah. to be shipped over, which has um, you know, meant that the, uh, there's, there's higher demand. Uh, for some of those ones, and I think the, I think somebody on Twitter said yeah. they changed the design as well. So again, if you not only completism but the sort of uniformity, uh, you know, you get the uh, the British ones so that they match the. They still have a different case, yeah, same picture mm. but different style of casing. Yeah. yeah. So my my friends from Sydney, who um, uh, we all now know of um, from another podcast, another wonderful podcast, um, they uh, they say that some of them have said the reason they import them is uh, partly because of the Australian board sensor stickers are so terrible and they're so big and they block out so much of the artwork. They want the UK ones. Um, but BB, the BBFC are apparently going to uh, update their icons very soon with something that looks equally horrific. So um, maybe that will uh, boost the Australian market. But, um, uh, but yeah, no, it's, I mean, again, we're super lucky to have this thing going on. I never thought we would get it. And I never thought that you could make H, uh, HD work so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's what they, the, the people said for a long time was that the videotape stuff, it wouldn't, it wouldn't make much difference. And they, you know. Has anybody done Well, someone explained it. Sorry. I just wonder if anybody done like a comparison thing, because sometimes they do like uh, original... Uh, images next to H, um, Blu-ray images on YouTube and stuff. I was just curious if anyone's actually right. so you, you can see the difference because I genuinely can't, but I find that with all Blu-ray things. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can in places. I mean, obviously the film stuff, like um, you, you absolutely can, uh, stuff that's shot on film, but um, the one the one thing that really stood out was when I saw Planet of the Daleks at the BFI, um, Pertwee's maroon velvet jacket, has kind of chevrons in it, and I'd never noticed that before. It's all kind of layered, and um, uh, and it, it does show up. I think that someone explained this to me how, um, and it's, it's, it's the same with even 4K upscale. So let's take um, Twice Upon a Time, which is filmed, I think, in 1080p, but they released it on 4K UHD. And the reason, the reason why it looks better is you can just squeeze more content on there. A videotape or a digital video camera will capture way more information um, at any resolution, at its resolution, 
um, that you can compress onto a Blu-ray. So even having those extra frames in there um, and uh, and the, the being able to store more colors, even the resolution, you know, it's not just about resolution, I think is what I'm trying to say. So um, you get resolution, you get color range, uh, and then they do some, you know, magic over the top to uh, upscale. So shall we talk about season 23? Are you guys still there? Because I've just been whittering. Yes, no, we are. Yes, let's. Uh, the last, the last thing, a uh, little bit of news I was going to mention is sorry. Uh, the the short story anthology masterpieces is now available to order in paperback, with an ebook version to follow shortly. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes to that. Um, there's a story by me in there, but you shouldn't let that put you off. There's about 21 other really good writers, uh, and it covers all the different incarnations of the master, and uh, it's for a really good cause. Um, it's for the Stroke Association. Congratulations, man. Thank you very much. Published author. Yes. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> you have um, an ISBN and everything. Keith's very kindly uh, read this for me. It was ages ago now, but you uh, kindly sort of cast an hour over it for me. I did, yes. It's uh, sort of a mashup of Time and the Rani and Heaven Sent. It was actually really good fun, yeah. So, you don't have that to say sounds, that. I wasn't sounds fishing like genuinely good. I wasn't fishing that. Uh, has it got, um, has it got uh, the Rani kind of cosplaying... Um, Jenna Coleman. We all have to wait and see. Or is that a spoiler? Okay. <laughs> That's what I, All right. So let's talk season 23. Yay. This uh, a favourite for you, Keith? I can, I'm old enough to remember the build-up to it because it went off air and then it came back. It was all over the telly. It, the excitement, I mean, uh, Celestial Toy Room and sort of like was... Had this big thing um, starring Colin Baker, Linda Bennett, and Michael Jason, made it like a movie on the front of things. So it was being then, yes, I was really excited. Colin was, by that time, firmly established my favourite doctor, and he was back. So uh, I was thrilled. Colin? I'm with you. I'm with you. Um, So Colin is one of my favourite doctors, always has been. Um, And for me, I was so into it uh, at this stage. You know, I watched sort of growing up, starting with Destiny of the Daleks, um, and then, you know, I, you know, loved the Tom era, loved the Peter era, lived, lived abroad for a year, so missed a lot of that, came back, and I just loved Colin's sort of oomph and clarity, and um, I thought he was a better actor. I think he's one of the better classic actors. Um, and this, for me, was great, and I have just these memories of coming back from, um, I think, I don't know, Wellington Country Park or something like this, which was all like trees and, and lakes and, uh, and, and just like an autumnal feel. And then come, coming straight home and putting on the TV and seeing exactly the same kind of environment on, in the mysterious planet. Um, this is probably my second favorite season mm-hmm. of Doctor Who. And people will be like, wow, 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 panto, wow, 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 whatever. Um, I, I still really like it. I just, it's one of those things when you grow up with something, uh, it can still be not brilliant, but you still love it. And I think it's brilliant anyway. I think one of the joys latterly is at the time, it was such a pressure on it as well, because it was, the series was on trial. As fans, we sort of lost our innocence because we knew it could get cancelled, it could not come back. Now, with the distance of time, it doesn't matter. I think we can probably enjoy it more as a series now than we could at the time because at the time there's so much seemed to be hanging on it 
and it did cast a shadow over it, whereas now it's you can just watch it for what it was and um, relish in it, which I do. I think watching it again, it occurred to me, they really try and go big with it, don't they, in terms of the epic stuff, the, the mysterious planet, the idea that Earth and its home solar system have been moved and, and the name's been changed. That's kind of unsettling. I remember when I was a kid watching that, I think, you know, that's, that's quite a scary idea. Uh, the companion being, the, uh, you know, having the, the, the brain swapped and, the, uh, you know, when Perry gets a, a head shaved. And, and That was amazing. I mean, that episode, I was, on the, it was the last story that actually frightened me as well, genuinely. Yeah. The bit with uh, the Lucosa when he leapt up was the last moment of Doctor Who I can remember to this day, which actually gave me that thrill of horror and made me jump. After that, it was never quite the same. And then the, the Valyard being a future version of Doctor as well is a, a huge kind of mind-blowing thing, isn't it? It's, it's, it's quite got, commonplace now, but at the yeah. time it was huge, yes. <laughs> but each story, um, maybe apart from Tell the Verve, has, has got some big, really high-concept thing like that, which uh, is, is, is really, really exciting, I think. And rather tragic. Yeah, Years ago, I actually it's, set up two videos and tried to make Terror the Verbo into an individual story by cutting out the trial scenes, and it was such a piss-poor effort. <laughs> I recorded <laughs> over it, so I'm so thrilled that that exists now. So I've watched that three times, tragically. But um, I'm, Terror the Verbo was my favourite bit of that uh, trial series, and to have it now as a unique story, I just think is brilliant, genuinely. And the other and title that one. I, I think Vervoid's... Well, Vervoids was my least favourite, but I still think it's... I, I'm uh, more into it now. I think Mysterious Planet was my was my favourite part, then The Ultimate Foe, then Mind Warp, then Vervoids. But I think they're all good. I, and look, I know that you kind of get this crashing in and out of the trial at various points, um, uh, and, and that, that perhaps lulls the atmosphere and, and stuff, but... I'm fine with it. I'm fine with it, especially the stuff that happens in the past. But just that it it's building to something where uh, things are not what they seem and it is a conspiracy. Um, it's not just any old bloke with the Valiard. It's about a plus the master. Um, I, it's an art story, right? We, we, and this is, you know, I said this is my second favorite season. My favorite season is the key to time season because there's an art story. Um, so I kind of like um, stuff that evolved like that. And I never noticed that part 14 was in, in any sort of disconnect to part 13. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thankfully we didn't get the uh, the Eric Sayward actual version of 14. We got Pip and James, which was much better from what I can tell. Um, so what did you guys watch when you watched this? Did you watch the extended versions or the originals or what? I watched the behind the sofas first. For every story, <laughs> that's always my favourite bit of the uh, box set. It is. So watch those straight away; they're really good. I thought the uh, double act between Matthew Waterhouse and Fraser Hines was a thing to behold. I really, yeah. <laughs> I thought that was marvellous. So uh, Matthew's very good. Unlikely um, friends, but they, they yeah. were. Not, I thought they were really good. Yeah, and I was on a Mark Strickland high after Vorp anyway, so I enjoyed his contributions. He was very insightful, wasn't he, in terms of. Uh, looking at it because he works, I guess, behind the scenes in TV, doesn't he? he works in TV production. So looking yeah. at this, as in after eighteen months off, how well does it draw viewers in? Would they remember this? I thought that was quite an interesting perspective that he brought to it. Yeah, they're like remembering the master. Yeah, mm. and then you've got Scott Matthew going, no, no, of course they will. Of course yeah. they will. <laughs> uh, uh, no, they did. Um, 
Uh, no, it was great. And I, I tell you, the, the, you know, the person I've never met and want to um, is Bonnie. Um, and she continues to go up in my estimations. It's, uh, and we'll come on to it with the interview. But um, her, her and Nicola and Colin was, a, again, a great combination. Just, I mean, obviously, the right combination. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I did not, I didn't go for behind the sofa first, but I went immediately after to that. I started with the extended versions because I, I can quote word for word the, um, you know, the, the originals. I went it's genuinely surprising when the new bit pops up as well. It's, uh, it's like the same feeling when you were so used to the uh, LP version, Genesis of the Dogs. When you actually see the story and there's bits that aren't on the record happening, it's a genuine surprise. And same with the extended version of the episode. It's like, oh, that's new. Like the TARD is actually materialising and stuff like that. It's like... Uh, exactly. That's, and those have always, I think, been on the trial DVD. Um, but to insert them and to put it in 5.1... So the first thing you, I mean, apart from the space station, but the, the first thing on Mysterious Planet is the TARDIS materialising in um, Queen Elizabeth Park, wherever it was. Um, uh, and there's obviously a rain machine there or something because <laughs> it's it's really sunny. Um, but uh, and then Mark Mark Gares has done this, you know, just great 5.1 of rain, uh, and it's just all this atmosphere and all this build up to. Um, discovery of what Ravelox is and Marb Station and all, all the rest of it. But I, I went straight for the um, uh, extended versions. I mean, why not? Could be honest, I haven't watched the extended versions yet. I just um, put each disc in in, in order. Um, all right. I watched the, the story, the behind the sofas, whatever new features are on there. And then when I got to the penultimate disc and realized that there was all these extended versions, I did think... <laughs> I should have watched these, um, but I haven't had time to do that yet. But it's something I've still got to enjoy. There's, there's just so much on these that um, they're, they're well worth 40 quid of your money, aren't they? Just the, the, the amount they of are. material on there. Because you can watch the stories, you can watch, as you could with the DVDs, watch them again with um, commentaries, watch them yep. again with the uh, the info text, um, uh, plus all, all, the new, uh, all the new features and stuff as well. I thought the uh, Doctor's Table thing was rather charming, where they sort of basically just trying to goad Michael Jason into admitting he was <laughs> who he would not or wouldn't snog, which I thought uh, gave me a bit of a game on their part eventually. Yeah. <laughs> but poor old Colin with his broken arms, he's a bit, uh, bit of a shame, really. So that, that um, uh, private dining room at the Richmond Ivy is next door to one of our meeting rooms in our office. So I, uh, I did not book those specific meeting rooms. I, well, I may have. I may have been at the same time. But I, I, I did not hear anything. And I walk, and I walk past every day um, the, the, the Ivy in Richmond. So I was like, oh, my God. Um, and then the pre, on the Looking for Lenny um, one, they'd filmed down by the river, which is also straight outside the office. So I'm happy with um, hopefully bumping into Chris Chapman at some point and team if they do more um, but yes no, we've not uh, experienced that have we Mark no. <laughs> <laughs> sorry so no like Carlisle connection unfortunately <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um, you know it's um, yeah no I, I thought that was a really really different really nice um, thing to do for them uh, and, and the Snog Mario Void um, is, is a, a great kind of icebreaker and um, a bit of fun, which uh, they may um, hopefully do, they do more of. 
Yeah, definitely. When when you've got sort of Doctor Who characters and there's there's aliens and robots into the mix as well, it's uh, it's a bit more interesting, isn't it? Yeah, I it's think it's nice though because you get the sense they just get on though, don't they? It's quite heartwarming to yeah. watch and uh, nothing controversial, just fun, which is like missing from a lot of Who I think sometimes these days. So it was lovely. Yeah, and it is nice to get Bonnie Langford um, kind of really involved in stuff like this because she's obviously very busy. I mean. Com- Compared to the, um, you know, maybe some of the others, she's she's still she's still in EastEnders. I don't watch it, but I I think so. I don't either. No, not me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I mean, that, uh, that keeps people tied up, and then she's uh, you know she's pretty in demand still. So it's good that you know she revisits something she did. You know, what for her is a, a very small, brief part of her career. You know, many years ago, she's um, having a wee bit of a renaissance because she did a uh, interview for Real Time last year. I think it's on uh, the uh, Colin Baker. You know they're doing like collection discs. Yeah, the years that's ones, well, yeah. and she comes over incredibly charming mm. in that as well. So uh, I, I think she would. She did um, London Comic Con last July on the, on one day for, on the Sunday or something like this, and I got I was there the Saturday, not the Sunday, and I was like, mm. um, but uh, I'm hoping that that so there's this convention I mentioned to you the other day, uh, which was uh, up at the the pottery place uh where they filmed the ultimate foe uh which has got moved i think from this coming sunday to february or the date to be announced or something and it's got like colin baker i think michael jason dominic glynn um but if it, you know and guests tba it's like oh bonnie could be there then i would i would i would go i think i might go anyway yeah i'm gonna try and make that that sounds uh sounds yeah. really cool yeah um, but for somebody who's so, no real reason to have much love for the show because she wasn't treated terribly well by the fans and stuff she seems to have risen above it beautifully I think now she's feeling the love from fans these I, days isn't she because I think she's look after work as, as finished as a, and everything she's having a bit of a renaissance anyway the character is and I think she's probably enjoying yeah, it more yeah uh, yeah well it's the thing I mean let, let me let's maybe start to talk about Matthew Sweet's uh, interview with her but mm. the I, so as an 11-year-old, when, when I saw her, I was like, why? You're so screechy. Why? Just stop being so, ah. <laughs> uh, and, uh, you know, uh, and now I'm, you know, watching all of it again, I think she's great. I think she's underused and underwritten, but I think she's great. Um, but it's what, it's what Matthew Sweet said to her, which was something like, uh, he found like an original description of what the character should be. I think mm. written by J and T. Yes, yeah. You go for it. You say what it was. It was just a feminist line. It was um, like uh, like she's meant to be feisty and everything like that. But uh, like some like all feminists will sort of start uh, they become use their feminine wiles or something or. Uh, like hide herself under a bushel or something like that uh, when it actually comes to the crunch or something, wasn't it? It was like uh, nothing that appeared in the characters at all and she was genuinely surprised by it, wasn't she? Yeah, yeah. It was like um, they, they, like they wrote a character to to dislike. Yeah. Right? Scintillating uh, and irritating. It even, that irritating was even one of the uh, castings and uh, <laughs> will sing in the TARDIS to annoy the Doctor. <laughs> well, I think the other thing is that... Um, uh, and, and she mentioned this is that certainly on TV she never used her computer skills. So yeah, you know it was just she just got boiled down to you know fitness fanatic and sort of hyper engaged on stuff. 
mm. um, but never really was the computing um, geek that she should have been and perhaps would have helped get them out of trouble in particular situations, maybe. I don't know. Well, the character never really had a background at all. She literally just appeared. We knew nothing about her, really, other than she was generic friend companion. Then she disappeared again, so... We never really got the chance. She, did she actually have a character as such other than Perky? Yeah, it's difficult when you haven't seen where she's come from or why she chose to travel with the Doctor in the first place. Have you guys heard any of the more the big finish that she's in? Yes. Because I, and do they improve on that? They, They've even done an introductory story. The Doctor sort of knows um, oh, that he I've will meet that. her eventually. And Is it the wrong day, doctors? Uh, no, it's um, oh, now you've got me. Oh, not the uh, oh, possibly actually, yeah. It's uh, I think it's Evelyn the... and the, it, he knows that eventually he will meet her. He's scared of doing so because he knows that will lead to genocide and things like that. But he's feeling lonely, so ultimately he sets course for Peace Pottage to meet her. The name of which is okay. Christina. Yeah. I, okay. I haven't heard that, but I, it makes me think of Possibly this. Possibly the one, Doctor, yeah. There's um, a Gary Russell book, isn't there, which is in that, that trilogy um, that starts with The Scales of Injustice. And it, there's a, that's the third Doctor one. And then there's there's two Sixth Doctor ones. I want to say Business Unusual is one of them. It is, yeah. Yep. Um, and that's the same sort of thing where he knows that he's ultimately going to meet Mel. But he's trying to put it off, and then uh, I think he's he's with some other friends, isn't he? In um, somewhere in like Bond Street Court and stuff like that. It has regular recurring characters. Yeah, yeah and that, and then she's a friend of theirs, and then he thinks, oh well, this is you know it's kind of inevitable, really, and that's uh, that's her introduction story in the BBC Past Doctor Adventures. Yeah. Okay, uh, but no, the interview was uh, was really good because I I didn't know that much about her. Um, but that was uh, covered her whole career, uh, and her whole Doctor Who career, which was uh, which was really interesting to get her perspective on it. Because, like they were saying, a lot of the companions that was their first job, where she was already really established in, in showbiz. She had a totally different perspective on it, um, so things didn't really get to her probably in a way that uh, that it, it was to some of the, the the rest of the cast. And very interesting that said she helped persuade Bradley Walsh. It was yes, um, that story I was trying to think of was, was the wrong doctors. So uh, that's yeah, that, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, um, you were quite. I have. <laughs> um, I, I shall we listen to that? Um, but yeah, no, Brad, that, that that's it. And I think, um, uh, yeah, you know, and and we've got Bradley Bradley Walsh in Doctor Who, and he is great. It's one of the one of the best things about it, I think. So I'm glad she had a word and probably said. You know, by the way, conventions, not not bad if you go yeah. to America. No. <laughs> uh, so did you guys watch it with the 5.1 soundtracks? I haven't got surround sound set up, so... No, no not me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, I'll come back. Uh, well, because the other thing is, you know, Mind Warp was re-recorded because they lost the tapes. Um, I don't know if you guys know this, but the... Um, oh, the music. The mind warp. Yeah, the music does right. the mind warp. Uh, they didn't have the original master tapes, so it could never be an isolated score or, or 
remixed. Um, so they got to Richard Hartley to re-record it. I need to fact check myself at, at some point. Um, and I don't think it's as good. I, I'm, I think it's, it's probably note perfect there, but there's something about the original or the mono or, and perhaps I'm being very picky here, but it was just kind of more blurry and indistinct and dark than the original. Whereas this is, um, a little bit more precise and there doesn't seem to be as much oomph to it. Um, from maybe too perfect. Say again, sorry. Maybe too perfect in its recreation, maybe. I, I guess so. And look, I mean, if you, I mean, if you're going you're recreating something with, in, even with, you know, they, I don't know if they're analog synthesizers or not, but you, you know, especially analog ones will go out of tune or lose a, you know, capacitor or whatever. That you're trying to recreate exactly what you did so long ago is a great achievement. It's just to me, I was hoping for this sort of epically booming and just exaggerated and and uh, piece, but I found it very um, so sort of bits of sh- you know very very sharp and um, just a recreation of uh, of lots of notes and that the, they were mixed such that it, the the melody was a little bit louder. To me, I mean, I've not heard anyone else comment on this, so it's probably just me, but I love the Mind Warp soundtrack. I think it's one of the best things about the whole series or one of the, the any of the best scores in classic Doctor Who because it is so... Um, there's some great chord progressions and there's some really dark synth sounds and that bit where the Doctor is taken out of time and he's walking backwards into the oh, TARDIS. Oh, that brilliant? Yeah, me I love the that chills. Yeah, that's a that's chilling one, yeah. Well, you wouldn't want the music to be in competition with Brian Blessed, though, would you? So it's got to be fairly restrained. That's true. And I thought his interview was amazing, because he's obviously a Doctor Who fan, whose knowledge was considerably beyond the range of the average actor, you'd think. And that, uh, I don't know if that was on the uh, original uh, DVDs or was recorded with this. I think it was on the original DVDs, but I was completely startled by how much about Doctor Who he knew. He had reviews of all the... um, the actors who'd played him. Yeah. Really fair-minded about all of them. I thought that was quite a revelation. I'd completely forgotten about it. And uh, I was, I've watched that a couple of times. I was fascinated just to listen to this um, man who didn't really know much about Doctor Who because of all his wide interests, obviously has mm. the knowledge of it. Yeah, when he's he's got such a wide-ranging career, he's a, oh. he's a mountaineer, he's all this other stuff. But yeah, he... he National just, institution. <laughs> can speak with, with really great authority. And then also he's got the other side of it where he knew the doctors personally, the, oh. the story about where he nearly lamped William Hartnell. <laughs> <laughs> and would probably have killed him, frankly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, just, yeah, sure, sure the, 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 the length and the, and the range of his career, didn't it? But yeah, really, really interesting guy. I feel like you could, uh, you could listen to him talk about stuff for, uh, for a long time. like the story of him pulling a sink off the wall one day when they were doing cats together. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're not a man to be trifled with. Yeah, no, that was, that was fantastic. Um, but people sort of like have a very negative view of Mind War, but I cannot understand that because visually it's amazing. The story is really yep. intense. Uh, People sort of say, oh, I don't like mine. I thought, why? It was brilliant. And as you say, that bit where he gets taken out of time. Mm-hmm. I remember being so excited that episode, that, uh, episode eight is like just so exciting. The sense of doom. You just know that by that point, something bad is going to happen to Perry. Mm-hmm. There's no way out of it. It's, um, it's truly exactly. tragic. Exactly. It's, it's, almost, it's almost 
like a, it's like a nine out of ten. It's um, it does things that they've not done as well before, which was kind of fake news from the Matrix. What is going on? Who, what was he trying to do? Was it a ploy? Or was it not a ploy? And I'm so glad that um, the director told Colin, well, I don't know, you, you, or Eric yeah. told Colin, just, I don't know, you do what you want. Um, and, and that still left it very indistinct, and Colin played it in a particular way. Um, but I still think it came across as um, you don't really know. And what an ending. What an absolutely, I mean, that's, I mean, if it were Blake 7, that would be fine. That, right? that would have, mm. They, they wouldn't have done what they did at the end of episode 14. That would be a season ending, wouldn't it? That would be a uh, character kill of the That would be the end of season seal or something, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I kind of, I mean, look, I love Perry. I love Nicola. I would be quite happy, you know, with either version, but I think they should have had the guts to have gone, nope, we did it. I think, I mean, we've, people have talked about this for 30 years, but I haven't, so I'm doing it now. <laughs> um, so... Uh, yeah, no, I think my walk is um, is uh, great. I mean, look, it's got its problems. I don't think all the acting is particularly brilliant. I think it's a little bit too much running yeah, around corridors. The bloke who um, my beautiful laundress is really quite bad in it, unfortunately. And to pair him against Brown, bless it, is particularly cruel because <laughs> he cannot hold his own against him. Bless him. But uh, there used to be a, uh, a joke at the time about when um, Nissa left Doctor Who that. Um, she sort of left minus a skirt. And when Perry joined, she was wearing so little, what would she not have when she left the series? And it turned out to be her hair. <laughs> <laughs> and her mind. And her mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, I think like you say um, Colin Baker, I think he really relishes the opportunity to play the evil version of the Doctor in that story, doesn't he? Um, I really like that. And then his reaction to finding out what happened to Perry is really, really well played. And... But, I mean, what if they had just got in the TARDIS and gone straight to whatever it's called, Crontip, um, you know, or if he'd done that later. I mean, I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's in a big finish. I think that's carried on in big finish, isn't it? I think there's, their fountain has yeah, written, there's written post, that, but uh, I've not got to it yet. Yeah, there's post-marriage stories. Yes. <laughs> and a slightly resentful Perry, shall we say. I've heard the, uh, the Piscon paradox. Right. Um that's a good one if you if you get a chance to listen to that because so, it's it's two Perry's isn't it there's Perry travelling with the fifth Doctor and Perry oh, right. Perry post uh, post mind warp as well uh, it's a clever story and it's written by Nev Fountain yeah uh, it's uh, yeah really it's all it's all about her character and it's, it's it's very funny but very clever as well and quite poignant at the end as well isn't it because mm. it's a circular story nothing's really changed because of any character's actions that the history just plays out as it's going to. Yeah. It's good. And visually as well, Mind Warp, I think the, the pink sea and everything like that, it's different exactly. than anything you've seen in Doctor Who before. I think that um, it's only a brief sort of thing when they arrive in the cave and there's that uh, hydroelectric, hydroelectric kind of machine. Mm. And that looks like modern technology. Everything else kind of looks like 80s idea of what modern technology would be. But that actually looks like, um, you know, like a modern server or something, doesn't it? Plus, I mean, season 23 and 24 experimented with, like, different coloured skies and moons and stuff, and it just disappeared in the series today, apart from, like, turning Lanzarote into the moon and stuff. hasn't really done much for, like, changing skies. And No. So the ambition they had in those days with the technology they had was incredible. Yeah, survival's no, I, great. I, I think you're right. Oh, I think it's most successful in Greatest Show in the Galaxy. Um, 
I think mind warp is just fun. It's just fun. It's different. And you're right. Like why? Um, why not? Why not add a few more? You know, an extra star, an extra, an extra moon, an extra planet. Um, go back and do Caves of Androzani with uh, the special edition of that, and add in Androzani Major in the sky. That's my recommendation. They want to screw that up and not have the doctor carrying Perry when he could have just given her the antidote before setting off. Yes, but never mind. Grab <laughs> <laughs> it. Since I've thought of that, I cannot get it out of my head. It's ruined the entire story for me. <laughs> yeah, I suppose he wanted to regenerate in the TARDIS, though, didn't he? No, and there wasn't enough. Robert Holmes just wanted to be dramatic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that it was. Um, so we talked about Mind Warp. What are, we, um, what are people's thoughts on The Mysterious Planet? It's, it's one of those shows I always play the game... What would it be like with a different production? If they had the money to make the underground area yep. all sort of like waterlogged and creepy and undergroundy, and if the if Tribe of the Free were like people from Mad Max or something, try and imagine it like that. It would be amazing, but the money just wasn't there, I don't think. Of all of them, it's the story um, where Robert Holmes is really just showing his, um, his influence. If there's bits of the crotons there, there's one of his double acts and things like that. He's doing it by numbers, but it's Robert Holmes is a brilliant writer. I mean, it's still a really good story. And it is. When yeah. you read uh, um, Terence Dix's novelization of it, you just realize how it fits into the perfect Doctor Who pattern of um, Robert Holmes' ideal story, and it still works to this day for that. I do like Glitz and Diver as well. I think they're, yeah. Me too. Uh, they are very funny together. Um, and uh, their interactions with the, uh, the various different characters. Um, I, uh, I know we both listen to the Crinoid podcast, um, but yeah, I don't think you listen to the Colin Baker I don't Baker listen to the Colin Baker okay, ones. Right. They, they, <laughs> they did, they're me. They me, did, me, me, me. They did the Mysterious Planet fairly recently. And, uh, no, 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 and no it, I'm not listening. <laughs> <laughs> it was very funny. <laughs> but yeah, you probably, you probably shouldn't listen to it. <laughs> you notice I don't contribute to those either. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know, because I like to listen out for your emails at the end of them, but they, they're never on the Colin Bay Court. So, uh, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, and it is nice to see them on location. Uh, a lot of, sort of associate the Colin Baker era with a lot of, um, there's not a lot of location work, is there? Uh, it is a great, it, it is um i love that location like i said earlier and I, I went there last may to try and find i was like after a day out and i feel like a day in the forest uh and then found that the place where they're sort of wandering through at the start where it's a bit foggy and they talk about the freshly laundered forest mm. and it looks mm, similar-ish because uh, it, it was the, the the storm the next year i think the, the big um, storm we had in 87. Um, but, uh, yeah, I couldn't find Marble Arch. Um, <laughs> the Black Light uh, Converter or anything like that? Yeah, there was not like, you know, like a little, yeah, no, Black Light Converter would have been. Um, and the Iron Age releasing is meant to be quite close by as well, isn't it? Does yeah, it, it is. Um, I didn't, it, no, it's right in the, it's part of the same thing at um, Queen Elizabeth's Park, which I think is, you know, sort of on the way to, um, from south of Guildford, I think, something like that. It's not too far, not too far to get to from, from where I am, but not from where you guys are. Yeah, um, no, nothing's near where we are. Uh, nothing. Yeah, <laughs> um, 
I think my favourite line in that story is when um, Glitz is trying to convince Drathro to come back to the ship because he says, we've got so much black light. And, and Divi goes, <laughs> yeah. yeah, we've got so much black light we can hardly see. Yeah. <laughs> I think Divi's great in it. He, there's some bits where he's... Um, there's a bit where he's got he's got the gun and he's saying shoot it in the eye or something like that and I can't mm. remember what it was but yeah, squeeze the trigger don't pull it yes. <laughs> yeah he's standing up no squeeze the trigger don't pull it and, and, it, and I, I, yeah I wish he'd come back as well I wish he, would, wish he did um, I mean I'm great I'm glad um, Tony Selby came back um, for Dragonfire but I think they really watered him down a bit they didn't get the, mm. the transition from you know ruthless person who was going to shoot the doctor in the back of the head in the first five minutes to, you know, I'll go off with Mel in the end. I didn't get the the sort of change in character. Well, it wasn't really his character, was it? They just sort of, they used, it was another character written. They, they just cast him to play the part. Yeah. Ah. Yeah, no, I think, I think JNT just went, let's, you know, let's just put the um, glitz in it. Although, to be fair, he had enslaved his entire crew, so he wasn't entirely redeemed, was he? <laughs> <laughs> True. True, but you never see it, you know. So, um, big finish. Uh, never managed to get him back, have they, Tony Selby? No, I thought he was still. Oh, I thought he died. He's in. Um, he's in Cockneys versus Zombies. Have you seen that film? New. No. No, it's got um, it's got Michelle Ryan in it as well as um, you know. So there's a couple of Doctor Who alumni. That's 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 good in places, uh, but he is he's pretty good in that. Um, was that the film they auditioned uh, Tom Baker for and his ideas were so bizarre they never got back to him it was like he meant to be playing this character and he said oh he dresses a burger to escape people <laughs> and uh, the uh, production team never got back to him after that I don't know I haven't heard about that um, it looks like he's still alive oh my apologies Mr Silby yeah, looks like he's still alive. Yes, he is. <laughs> well, it's getting rarer for a lot of classic Doctor Who, to be fair, isn't it? Uh, really? He was in Stanley's Lucky Man, which uh, I watched that, but I don't remember. That seems to be his most recent thing. Um, but he's also in the soap opera Doctors, or he was up until 2016. When he died. Well, Cockneys vs. Zombies was in 2012. <laughs> yeah. So um, it seems like he's, uh, he's maybe he's born in 1938, so he's obviously a good age now. But, uh, yeah, gosh. Um, so the, the, the one story I don't think we've, well, we've not touched on Funal or Vervoids yet, but so have you guys watched the extended Vervoids? And please say, not the extended Vervoids, but the, the standalone Vervoids. Yes. Please say yes. Yeah. At least three times. In fact, I was watching that disc and I just sort of thought, I'll see what they've done got caught up in the new opening title, and that was it. I watched the whole thing all the way through and adored it. They're lovely, so, aren't they? The, the new titles, yeah. The new titles are the best fucking thing in that box set. I'm sorry I've just added <laughs> explicit tag to this podcast, but um, I I absolutely love it. I think they, they should just redo all of all of those episodes. All of those extended episodes should have had those optional titles on them because they are just perfect. Just perfect. He's as Rob Ritchie just smashes it, and, and Dominic Lynn's uh, music in in five point one as well. It's just so bold. It's just and it, and so colourful and bright, and it, it's like the classic. Uh, sorry, the series one to four titles, but with all the sort of garishness of the eighties title sequence. Brilliant. 
The first time I saw it, I expected the names to come up because, it, like you say, it was so like the the series one. Oh, like swishing by. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so see like Colin oh, Baker that um, yeah. and Nicola Bryant yeah, he, kind of coming up. At you. Sure, he shared a version of that. He said, "This is a version I did before." So check check um, Rob Ritchie out on Twitter. There's there's a version where it does go Colin Baker, Bonnie Langford. So ah, right, I didn't so, see that. I'll try and find that and put a link in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, to be honest, the verbal is my favourite bit of the trial. I know it's not everybody's, but I love that. There's so much instant in it. There's um, it's just like a really good Doctor Who story. It's probably the least least successful in terms of the trial because it's it's a standalone story with bits of trial added. So hmm. you don't really miss it very much. The only bit it's no. it falters okay. is the explanation of the Megarian uh, murder. That's sort of like glossed over a wee bit. But a you don't really is mind. it me? Is it me or do they cut a little bit of the line out? Do they cut the line where they're retrieving, retrieving the distress call in the TARDIS? Why is that hard to say? Um, and he he doesn't say it's the character who's making me colourblind. Yeah, that bit's cut out. There's, uh, they've taken out yeah. the plinky-plonky um, skipping music. That's gone. And it was oh. a, the, the, they've combined the two scenes to make one TARDIS interior scene. There's whole bits of the reworked. I mean, obviously the bit where the Doctor's standing there with the axe in the communication room is gone and things like that, but... I just loved it. I've watched it at least three times. It's like watching a sort of like an alternative, like a world where Colin was on his fifth year. This was like yeah. where they were at this point with the opening titles and everything. I just I adored it and uh, gave my old uh, fanboys and um, hearts some joy. I have to say, it's nice that every Doctor now is getting like a unique thing. Like the first two Doctors are getting their animated episodes. Um, Pertwee is getting his, like his colorized episodes. Um, Tom Baker's getting his Sharda completed and things like that. And now Colin's got his Terror of the Verboids um, story with extras. So I'm, I'm really... One of the good things about these box sets and everything is the way... The love that's been given to these seasons. And it just creates nice things for each fandom. Completely. And, and it's... Um, it, 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 you don't notice... As you said, you don't notice the trial not being there. Uh, and... Uh, and it, it works completely standalone. And I thought they would have made it like a hundred minute edit or something, but no, it's still four, it's still four parts with the with the same cliffhangers, and uh, it absolutely works. What a what a great idea to do something like that. And I think they I think the the box Mine, set my getting <laughs> <laughs> sorry. So I tried to do it years ago by linking two videos together. Which oh, yeah, yeah. Which was disastrous. Well, we, we, so. we should see that. I would like to see that. It uh, well taped over. <laughs> <laughs> Um, tape over, uh, but no, I think the box set team have just continued to raise their game um, on everything they do, uh, and that that sort of brings me to the, the Doctor Who cookbook. Um, yes. And I know that we so we should have this idea. I had this idea that you got quite excited about Mark that we would all try and attempt to make something from the cookbook while recording this podcast. And uh, we just completely couldn't. <laughs> um, uh, we said I did make one of the recipes years ago when the book first came out, and I was still eating meat. I did um, Robert Holmes's corned beef hash recipe. I can remember that to this day because it was one of the few things I've ever cooked in my entire life. <laughs> 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 and it was vaguely edible. <laughs> but uh, no, uh, I've not recreated any of the recipes since. 
especially the keeper of Draken, which looked quite disgusting, it has to be said. Yeah, I think um, the, the of the ones that they cook in this documentary, Nicola Bryant's, it's not, it's not from the book, is it? It's nope, like a modern remote. update one. <laughs> that by far looks the nicest. That's the, uh, that's the one I'd be, I'd be tempted to watch, uh, tempted to eat, definitely. And I have to say, I, I, did, I did quite like looking at everybody's kitchens as well to see. I was just yeah. going to say, <laughs> well, just going to say, how big is Sarah Sutton's house? It's fantastic. Yeah, yeah she, I think she's married to a lawyer or a doctor or something like that, isn't she? I think she's married to a doctor. She's done quite well, yeah. yeah. Um, I suppose Terry Malloy could barely get the camera in here. Good day, but I know. I did like his tiles. Um, this was the only the only thing that um, that my wife watched with me because um, I started watching it and she was just kind of just like reading or something like that. And she said, "Oh, this looks quite interesting." I watched this, and again, part of that I think is seeing people's kitchens. Um, but she's a really good, really good cook as well, so she was sort of slightly interested in that side of things. And then when um, when uh, they were making um, Janet Fielding's. Um, Ocker balls. <laughs> she was sort of going, why isn't she piping that in? Why is she cutting it off? So she was kind of giving a bit of feedback on that as well. Because basically she's never cooked in her life either. Yeah. She's <laughs> um, Mark, you need to persuade Mel to tweet Janet Fielding with that feedback. And yeah. What <laughs> um, I th- were anchovies really popular in the 80s? Because it, it did feel like about half the recipes yeah. um, had anchovies. It was anchovies and... Kippers were still a thing, but less so. But uh, sardines was sardines in one of them. Fraser Hines ones, maybe. I don't Mushroom, know. He, he, mushrooms, I think. Wasn't he must be had anchovies as well, didn't he? Because he, he tried uh, to put them in the blender, and yeah. Ken Mo was going, "Well, that won't work." And then it didn't work, so they had to get them out and mash them. Mash them manually. <laughs> yeah. But it was glorious getting India Fisher to do the voiceover as well. But that was just perfect. oh yeah, yeah. It was very wittily uh, cut together. Um, and even the opening with Toby, Toby Haydock talking about the great works of science fiction that have, yes. <laughs> yeah. that have changed I, the world. So I only just bought the, the cookbook. Um, I never had it, but I got a brand new copy um, for like six fifty from the Who shop. Um, actually, the Doctor Who shop on the Isle of Wight. They got you just yeah. have a stash of books that are brand new. Who won, isn't so, it? Yeah, I think it's called Who won. Like, new, I, I mean, hope you know. I'm sure all of us you know, listeners, uh, you know, have them already, but if you're missing a target book. They've got yeah. loads and they are brand new. I'm Some holding my sold. original paperback here and it was £3.50 in UK money at the time. Cookery tie-in. I had oh. this from when I was a kid just because I would buy everything Doctor Who related and it was been out a little while then. I bought that and the pattern book. And then when I was a bit older, I, um, I'm sure I sold them on eBay or something. But then I, I bought it again <laughs> from Who Won because we thought we might have this idea where we cooked something from it. So it is, it is once again uh, in my collection. But I've also got the, the modern series version of it as well because I found that in a charity shop for okay. a pound. Didn't even know that existed, so. It's, um, yeah, it's a bit more um, normal than this <laughs> Less one. Less anchovies. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> Um, it's it's less less about the puns, which is to its detriment, I think. But it was nice, sort of like when they're talking about Patrick Troutman and his war times experience and stuff. Yeah. It was nice to see the genuine friendship that uh, Janet Fielding and Sarah Sutton obviously have together. Yeah, and I mean Janet Fielding's mentioned on Big Finish Extras, um, Sarah's cooking and like mm. making cakes and things. So it's just nice to see that little glimpse of the friendship between them. It was nice to see Colin and uh, Nicola together as well. In Nicola's quite posh-looking house as well. That was a bit sci-fi in itself. Yeah, I film frontier in space on the outside of their house. I mean, good grief! <laughs> I thought she had the nicest kitchen. Oh, you loved her kitchen. Mm. Yeah. I think it was it was quite modern, wasn't it? Mm. 
Um, Too many. Whereas Sarah's, <laughs> I think, was. I was just at the size of their back, their back garden, Sarah Sun's back garden. <laughs> this is a the tree in the distance. Yes, the things the things we talk about on podcasts. But, um, well, you know, this is another great idea for Chris Chapman. Is Doctor Who through the keyhole? Oh wow! There you go. Tweet him now. If 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 you're listening, Chris, you can have that one. It's, uh, that would be an interesting one, wouldn't it? Kind of thing is how she'd want to see. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've seen lots on there. We've seen uh, we've seen Colin's house in. Oh, the, the five-ish doctors, doctors? Yes. and yeah. the Peters, presumably. Yeah. We've seen Matthew Waterhouse with Weekend, Weekend with Waterhouse. Oh, I haven't watched that yet. Oh, that is joyous. Yeah, is it? That's quite poignant well, as well. He's got a nice library, hasn't he? A huge amount of books. Yes, mm. he's even read some of them. I think that you can sort of count it as the ones <laughs> yeah. he's really proud of. Yes, yeah. but he's also having a bit of renaissance. I mean, his on the social contributions were brilliant. They were really, really yep. funny. Comes no, he's a good guy. Yeah, he comes across as a nice chap. Yeah, I like his season nineteen ones are great with him, aren't they? When you've got the full the full crew together. Mm. Yeah, the, I saw him at um, the Earthshock uh, screening at the BFI. Uh-huh. So it was him and Eric Sabred on stage, mm. and and Matthew Water. He was talking very loud sometimes, and Eric just stopped him at one point and went, "Could you please stop shouting?" Yeah, it was really weird. <laughs> Probably just worried about his fringe blowing off to say with all his wig or whatever he's got to say. <laughs> that was the uh, writer's room. That was interesting because it wasn't about the trial of the time, Lord, was it? It was about the season that could have been. Yeah. With the big mead, anyway. The, um, yeah. Who wasn't wearing half, a baseball cap for once, thank God. <laughs> I half watched that. I didn't really pay too much attention to it. Um, a lot of cheese um, being consumed, I think. Oh, the, the, way, the lunches in that place looked amazing. Oh. I mean, they were very uh, cal- yeah, calorific, I think, like the huge pork pie plus the, um, <laughs> the, the sandwich and the cheese and stuff. Yeah, pork pie each, I think, a bit decadent. But there we are. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, also, they had a little clip of the uh, future lost story as well, the Wally K. Dick one. It was, uh, got a little bit of a... Uh, it's coming out this yeah. month, I think, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it is this so, month. Yeah, they've been uh, well, adapted by Big Finish, haven't they? And everything's they, out this month. It's going to be an expensive month. Then right. they put some really nice kind of images together um, to, to to promote them. Um, I just remind me about something else to talk about in a minute. <laughs> the um, so so they were really good, and then it was it was nice because they were nice about each other's stories. But then there was just the occasional little sort of um, what was it? Um, Shards when, of broken glass or something. Something being threatened with, which yeah. raised an eyebrow <laughs> or two. Bidmead had a flying car or something? Yeah, and was it Bidmead who said, um, I wanted to call it In the Hollows of Time, and so it just goes, uh, what he said? It was Leaden. That's a Leaden title. <laughs> <or something. laughs> just totally <laughs> shot it down. <laughs> um, but the, the, the other feature that was on the on the alternative season 23, the, the one that would have been with the Nightmare Fair and everything, they, the, they did different artwork for that. And... Um, yeah, just the um, the pictures of Perry and the chest were really weird. I don't know if you if you watched this or noticed it, but um, I have not. It didn't raise an eyebrow, but maybe reasons for that. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was. Uh, Do you think we missed much? I guess it would have been a longer season, wouldn't it, with more stories and more variety. It was an awful lot of stuff from the past, even worse than season 22, you could argue. You're going to get Probably. the Ice Warriors and the yeah. Autons and I think and only the uh, Wally K. Dick one was that literally didn't have anything from the past. It was like the Master and the Rani were in one with the mm. Autons. And that was going to be the Robert Holmes. Yeah, the Celestial Toys. Yeah. Still in the Ice Warriors were back. The Master was back. 
and the Tractators were back. There wasn't really a great deal. Yeah. Are they are they all adapted by Big Finish? Like even the Tractators one? Or do yes. they only adapt a few? But they're not allowed to call him the mouse this time, so they're calling him something different. But yeah, they have done that one. Ah, right. The only one they couldn't the, get was the Wally K. Dick one. Now, obviously, they've done that one as well. So. And the, the Robert Holmes one wasn't... He Robert was, this wasn't enough stuff, I think. I think the that's Yellow Fever and How to Cure It, I don't think there was anything that said the... Um, that was right. the other thing that, that Sayward was quite cutting about, wasn't it? About Jonathan Turner had gone to Singapore for two weeks. <laughs> and, recce, and he'd only come back with 10 minutes footage of a cable car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he gives you an idea of what it's like and he says well, it's fine if you set the whole story on a cable car <laughs> yeah. it's good enough for Moonraker why not yeah <laughs> so I think on the whole the trial might have been a better series it might have been shorter but I think we probably got more more um, they had to fight, more they had to fight for it right mm-hmm. they had to really pull the socks up fight for it um, uh, and I think it probably I think well you know, I'm, I'm yet to listen to the, the missing stories, but I guess missing the Robert Holmes one, well, you know, would have would, you know, would have been a standout. But what they came up with was good. It was well connected series of stories that had a theme to it that gradually builds up. Uh, there's a couple of twists, um, uh, and there's, there's some unanswered questions as well. It's like, so um, I'm about to blow something but you know I'm never going to do it anyway but my idea for a big finish would be a story called The Three Sleepers which maybe they've done already or just called it something else but uh, like you know this the, about the people that sold stuff from the Matrix what were they doing how to get to Drathro all these things clearly I haven't bought it through beyond the title um, but uh, you know I think it's a good mystery I remember when I was a kid watching it for the first time, and that being that being quite an interesting, intriguing idea about the sleepers and, uh, and yeah, all that Robert kind of stuff. Yeah. I, I guess Robert Holmes would have that would have probably been in his finale. Oh, possibly he was just great for creating detail about stuff that was never followed up on. It might have been the same as the uh, all the backstory in Talons, like uh, the uh, the time wars and stuff like that. It might just have been a bit of his detail, but. We yeah, I think the, the suggestion, I don't know if, if you guys have read this, but I, I heartily recommend the, the Black Archive book on The Ultimate Foe by James Curay Smith, oh. who um, is just a fantastic writer anyway. He, he also wrote The Massacre, Black Archive. Um, and this one goes into, uh, in, into loads of great detail and, and sort of picks, picks up on clues about what might have been in that finale. Um, and, and there's stuff about... Um, glitz and I can't remember if this is in the finished thing or not about him talking about a war on his home planet and different things right. that would seem to suggest that he was building up some backstory about Andromeda that would have uh, that would have played into the finale ultimately I'd always assumed the Saywood version was based on Holmes' script that's why or Holmes' background that's why he was so upset when he was Nathan Turner rejected it, so that's intriguing. I didn't know that. In here, it's, it's really the it was the ending that they ultimately fell out over. It was Sayward wanted the Doctor and the Valyard trapped in the Matrix, uh, the Master having trapped them in there, but saving Gallifrey from a time vent in the process. Um, thinking, well, that just leaves it wide open then, because if you you can, uh, the, the Doctor can come out having beaten him, he can come out regenerated, he can... Which, uh, had it been the end of the Colin, that would have been a bit more dramatic than yeah. falling off an exercise bike. That's it, but John Nathan Turney was worried that it was, well, that's the Doctor killed off, and the BBC could then kill the, 
the series off. Which is again a really valid argument. So yeah, no winners there really, is there? <laughs> yeah, but it's uh, yeah, it's ultimately what 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 ended their um, their working relationship. But uh, yeah, it's a it's a really really interesting book, and he's uh, yeah, fantastic writer, really readable, witty. No, I've not heard of that before. It might be worth checking that out. Um, if you guys, I guess the Colin Baker fans for sure here yeah, will have heard The Last Adventures. Oh yeah, yeah, lovely. Yeah, that's great. Oh, it's great. Yeah, what a good send off. And Colin gives that a plug, doesn't he, on the uh, on the behind the sofa? <laughs> uh, yeah, he does. Yeah, it's also nice the way they sort of link it into um, time of the Rani without being sort of like having to use clips or anything like that. It's uh, it's uh, a nice bit of continuity, I don't. And it's quite yeah. pointed as well, especially when you are a Colin fan. Just to have him have a, a send off, which is more befitting the character, is mm-hmm. really is really lovely. A very clever way of getting Auntie Nainley's master in it as well, without oh, yes. it, but, but obviously getting around um, yeah. Ainley's unavailability. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like his death, you mean? Yeah. <laughs> in the wicked pavilion in the sky. Mm. Yeah, very good. But yeah, it's uh, the ultimate four is interesting, isn't it? I mean, the fact that it's as good as it is when they only had like three days, I think, Pip and Jane Baker. And Sayward yeah, even admits that they did a really good job of picking up the, the loose ends in, one, in the uh, making of Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Because um, I think they had the opportunity to rewrite episode 13 or, or par- partially rewrite it if they wanted to, but they're like, we've got so little time, we'd rather just, you know, sort of pick out the threads of this. And the sort of conclusion that um, Kure Smith comes to is, is basically this, this is better than Sayward's version. Um, it's It's kind of makes more sense dramatically. It doesn't sideline a lot of the characters in the way that, that Sayward's version would have done. I believe it's online. I've never read it, I confess. No, no, I haven't. So uh, there is a, a performance of Eric Sayward's script by the Flight Through Entirety team. Uh, and since we were talking about the, the, um, the wonderful chats at uh, our fellow podcast over there earlier, uh, if you guys want to check that out, um, I, I think you'd, you'd enjoy that as an introduction to them because they've, they basically do, they read Eric's Haywood script uh, and they perform it and there's uh, great sound effects and uh, it's, it's great fun. They wow. really have a great time doing it. So I re- strongly recommend that as, as a, a sort of pick of the week. Fantastic. I'll find that and put a link to that in the show notes. Yeah, you should. Uh, Never I, find it otherwise. Yeah, I'm only recent convert to Flight Through Entirety, but I'm, I'm enjoying their the recent episodes. Uh, yeah, so they're... I'll definitely go back and, and explore that one. Cool. Just what I need another podcast. I'm never going to sleep again, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think the other thing that there was, uh, just pick out something else from this, but the original intention wasn't that the Valyard was going to be the, the distillation of all the evil in the Doctor. He was just flat out going to be the Doctor's final incarnation. Um, which, That's better, isn't it? It's clean. It feels like it's sort of clearer, um, but obviously would have, would have uh, potentially caused problems uh, for, the, for the rebooted series. Capaldi, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but they would have found a way around it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You can, you, can, you, can, you can write around it and just say that, yeah, history's been altered or something will, like that. But, uh, time would it change everything. But I think that that sort of moment when that comes out, the way that Colin Baker and Michael Jason just stare at each other, um, yeah. it's so yes. good, isn't it? It's really, really good. They're both acting perfectly. This revelation should halt this trial. 
immediately. Yeah. The way he doesn't take his eyes off the Valyard when he says that. Except when he notices it, doesn't notice him running behind him to get out. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird. That um, bit yeah. is odd, yeah. Yeah, well. Uh, and the music as well, Dominic Glynn, just this, just like so simple, dark, deep sound that he, he brings to it. I, I, I love Dominic Glynn on the, uh, this. I think it's his, um, I think it's his best, um, the, the, these episodes. Um, yeah, Dragonfire's got some really, really good bits in it. Um, uh, I'm not massively blown away by the Happiness Patrol, but I know why people like it. Um, but uh, yeah, no, it is a really dramatic moment. It's really well done. Have you guys heard Trial of the Valyard? Yes. Yeah, the big Finnish story. Oh, yes. That was good yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah, I like yes. that. One. Uh, Michael Jason got such a brilliant voice. Uh, he's, he's perfect for that audio yeah. stuff, isn't he? Yeah, very good. He's, um, well, he uh, he arrives on the space station again, and I was like, oh, "Space station? Oh, these doors look. Oh no! Yeah, <laughs> again. <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? Yeah. He's done quite a few stories now for them, hasn't he? He's done uh, one of the recent box sets as well in the uh, Time War. Um, said it was like, a, like an alternative um, Valiard is trying to do good on the side of the war, but is he being manipulated by the time also just using oh. the Doctor's darker side? Like a war Valiard. Mm. Brilliant. The war Valiard. Oh, my God, what are we going to get next? The, <laughs> the, the war Rodan, uh, played by Penelope Keith. Oh, um, I that. That sounds excellent. <laughs> yeah, no, I would, buy, I would buy that for sure. Yeah. What's um, the uh, cliffhanger documentary Keith? originally in the... Uh, I think it was. Right. I've got no recollection of that at all. I really enjoyed watching that as well. Yeah. There's such a gap between the DVD release and this. Like I watched the uh, strip traction again and and that type of stuff because it's, uh, I can't really remember it, um, but they're they're really entertaining as well. Yeah. It's, uh, so it's another really good set. This isn't it. I mean, you think in maintain the quality of this, we're in for some treats to come up. Definitely. And we've got season 26 to look forward to, which is, uh, one of my favourites. Yes, two days before Christmas. That seems likely, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, well, so about January the fourth, are we thinking, or January the tenth, or something? One of them's been on time, hasn't it? Which one was that? Was yeah, season, what, 10? season ten. Season ten. Well, six now. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's better than no, um, it's better that they it comes out and it's right, isn't it? But, uh, True, it is. I, I, I mean, come out and still wrong. <laughs> it's a couple of months ago. I got a replacement disc for. I don't know, is it season 18 or 19 through the post? And I was like, I don't even remember ordering this. And it's just simply, I think it was. So, what was 18. the problem with that then? I didn't even know there was a problem with it. No, I haven't got uh, it. I think it's the mono sound on Warrior's Gate, maybe it's wrong. Possibly, I never know. I don't know. <laughs> I'm, sa- I'm, again, I'm, I'm saving 18 and 19 for some, some. Oh, I couldn't save 23. I had to go and binge all of season 23. Mm. Season um, 18, I could have left quite a long time. Really? <laughs> yeah, I'm not a fan of season 18. Oh. It was the end of Innocence it. as a Child. It was like, went from being a fun series to um, quite adult series with big media in it. So I went to watch uh, Buck Rogers for a few uh, months during oh. those days. It's the only time I've ever abandoned the show, to be honest. Gosh. Shocking. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> I do like Warriors Gate, though, that's good. Yeah, Warriors Gate is terrific. Mm. 
the music especially, the whole kind of just playing around with ambient sounds gives it this great atmosphere in this white, uh, totally whited out part of space with just this art, sort of archway door and then all these black and white photos they're walking through. So atmospheric. But that's a different season. Um, mm-hmm. Yes, you can check out a previous Trap One podcast where I talk about that box set with Jason Miller. Oh, well done. Yes. <laughs> 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 cast of Iron back then. It's a few months ago, yeah. All right. That's everything in my notes, I think. Otherwise, it's brilliant. I loved it. So, uh, it I can't wait for season brilliant. 22. That's love? Soon. Be soon. What, what is love? Uh. <laughs> <laughs> my Brian Blessed isn't, isn't one of my best impressions. <laughs> <laughs> it would be hard to imitate. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good moment, though, yeah. isn't it? When um, Perry has to tell him what love is. It's, uh, <laughs> it's a bit Star Trek. But. A bit Star Trek, but <laughs> we could all live with a bit of Star Trek from time to time. Yeah. Perhaps she was she explaining since she was going to end up married to him. Yeah. yeah. I don't think she'd actually seen that bit before, actually. Or claimed she hadn't seen it until they, they did the uh, commentary track. Like a little bit of extra commentary with the, um, one of the discs. They just do like a, a comedy ex, uh, commentary extra. Right. And they just play the bit uh, where Nicola just sees it for the first time when she gets married, I think. Right. Much to her um, yeah. horror. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Peter Kitt, they've never got Brian Blessed back for a big finish, but maybe he's... I know. He's done a um, scary vibe, so I know he's not averse to doing um, mm. audio. Maybe they just can't get a booth big enough for him. Yeah. He'd just get wedged in. <laughs> what did you say? They couldn't get a microphone big enough? No, a booth big enough. Right. Both, yeah. <laughs> Good. Well, I, I love season 23 at the time. I love it now. Uh, and I think they've done a great, great job. Especially the Fervoids opening titles. And the, it's worth it for that alone. And the Fervoids in HD. Yes. <laughs> Which <laughs> remain a sight to behold. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, got, it's got one of the, the best cliffhangers, I think. The, the episode one cliffhanger to Terror of the Fervoids is, is fantastic, oh, isn't it? With yeah. the uh, Because it is a genuine yeah. shock. You know, it is yeah. it mid-sentence. Um, gets that isn't a close-up on Colin's face for once, which is a, <laughs> yeah. a rare thing in that season, to be fair. This was John Nathan Have Turner's you... directive, I think, wasn't it? To, Not uh, as I'm averse to close-ups of Colin's face. Oh, yeah. to make a scream E-flat. E yeah. Yes. Um, the other thing I noticed about re-watching Vervoids the number of times I have um, is how much crockery is broken. If <laughs> 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 you've noticed this. But, like, it, it, just watch watch Vervoids again and just count how much crockery or like um, bathroom soap trays are smashed or whatever. It's just a lot. And it's like there the way they're in space using audio cassettes. Yes. Yeah. And Yale keys on the uh, and they've still got numbers on them to be seen upside down. Even I think in the eighties people oh, started right, yeah. using cards in hotels, so that was yeah. uh, <laughs> wonderfully retro. Yeah, that's quite nice. It's like the uh, mission from the unknown, isn't it? With the big old-fashioned um, tape recorder as well. We're going to send up in a rocket to... Uh, Space tape recorders. Yeah. Probably the only thing that can resist solar flares or something. There's always an explanation if you try hard enough. Well, people love retro stuff, don't they? Vinyls come back, you know, I think. Uh, Video never went away in my house. Yeah. And uh, 
tape's going to come back for oh, I hope so. I've got that on for space. <laughs> well, thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate you uh, taking the time. Um, Any time. Any time to talk about Colin, the best doctor. Great. Well, we shall uh, get back together for season 22 whenever that's released. Yeah. Yeah. That's his only other. Yes. <laughs> basically. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Begs the question what they're going to do with Twin Dilemma. Is it going to be on. Mm. Oh, yeah. Tagged on to 22. Is it going to be bizarrely stuck at the end of. Um, they're going to have to change the pictures a wee bit, aren't they? Have a little Colin underneath the. Looking up at uh, Peter. On the Peter, yeah. Bit, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Oh, I just want to skip it. I don't want to. I don't want it to be part of season twenty-one. Yeah, we I don't. Just want to, we don't want twin dynamic contamination be, right? by season twenty-one, do we? No. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe that would have some, some interesting uh, stuff they could do, though, because they can get Peter and Colin together for some features and stuff. You know, like uh, on the uh, Arc of Infinity commentary, they're, they're really funny together, aren't they? So it'll be. Uh, I haven't listened to yeah. for ages. I, I don't need to listen to that That's again. That's a good point. About the only way to um, to consume uh, Arc of Infinity really is with the commentary yeah. track on, be like uh, time flight. <laughs> but they, they could do some more sort of five-ish doctors type stuff, maybe. Or um, I mean, it seems from Twitter like they're um, they've been filming something because uh, um, I think Peter Davison, Janet Fielding, and Sarah Sutton were they driving across Germany or something together to a convention. Yeah, and Janet Fielding's been tweeting about this, and I think there's the suggestion that it might have been being filmed as well. For, oh wow, that'd be funny. Oh yeah. my god. I guess for you, like the entire Blu-ray of like eight hours of them driving to Germany. <laughs> I would watch that. <laughs> Two of them just, arguing and just Sarah Sutton rolling her eyes. <laughs> yeah, Sarah, just Sarah Sutton going, uh, you know, you two can sit in the back, you know. And yeah, you missed the turn about two hours ago, but never mind. Because <laughs> Janet Fielding with um, Wendy Padbury was uh, was one of the highlights as well, wasn't it? Of season eighteen. Yes. Oh, the wonderful bitching between yeah. them was fantastic. And some people did not get that. They thought it was genuine. Can you believe yeah. it? <laughs> some people on Twitter would like genuinely say, oh, it spoiled it for me. They're arguing. Oh, can't they get on? <laughs> you think it's a joke. <laughs> They're clearly very good friends, yeah. aren't they? Well, they were yeah. rival agents, weren't they, for a long time? So I think that's where it stems oh, from. Oh, of course. They're both, uh, they're both run agents, isn't they? They were both agents. So. I'd never made that connection. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. Probably professional rivalry for a while. Yeah, because Janet Fielding was Paul McGann's agent. Uh, yes, and kept him out of Doctor Who for quite a long yeah, time, so yeah. he said about that, the better. <laughs> I saw her at a convention a few years ago, and she was saying that she'd represented Reese fans as well. Don't hear much of him anymore, do you, actually? I, I knew who you were talking about. I'd probably agree. Yeah, same here. What? Who? Reese fans, he was... Um, I mean, I guess his big break was in Notting Hill. He's a Welsh actor. He's, he's been in quite a lot. Oh, of the one in his underpants, yes, I remember. Yeah. yeah, he's been in a lot of stuff since then as well. I think the last thing I saw him in, he was um, in Elementary. He played Mycroft Holmes in the... Oh, um, Only saw one, didn't like it, didn't watch it anymore. <laughs> uh, I didn't watch any of it. Yeah, it's, uh, I quite like it. Um, but yeah, he was. He did a couple of seasons of that. But he was a sort of semi-regular character, I think. But, uh, what I want out of anything is for Stephen Moffat and Russell T. Davies to have their own sitcom based on the Instagram feed, because it would be brilliant. That's it. That's all I need. Yeah, it's funny that they've never sort of got them to interview each other, or... They've been interviewed together when they're promoting the Target books, weren't they? Yeah, they oh, were. Yeah, that's and true, that was, yeah. yeah. That was quite entertaining, yeah. yeah. And there, was like... there, was what, there was one moment on Instagram, and one of them had posted about 
uh, seeing Mary Poppins um, uh, and, and, and saying that Emily Blunt was not um, Julie Andrews or something like that. And uh, one of the other one replies going, no, it's the war Poppins. <laughs> <laughs> and the other one, the other one replies with, oh, they'll just make the up as they went along. Um, it's just brilliant. So that is what Instagram is made for. And that lovely um, picture was very glaring at Michael Grade as well. <laughs> it was like, that's, yeah, yeah. That's a thing. No, of and I, yeah. you know, and much as I quite like Chris Chibnall's approach to keep it all a secret, more under wraps, the, you know, two challenges with that. One, uh, if it were as good, you know, if the stories were as good as some of the uh, ones from previous seasons, that would be, that would be welcome. Yeah. Uh, the, to my mind, they're good but not complex or punchy enough. Uh, and the other point is it's just, it would just be fun to have him in, in fandom. And I can completely understand why, as showrunner, you'd want to stay out of it, considering mm. oh, fans hounded the Stephen Moffat off, off of Twitter. I completely think that's the right thing for his mental health and for keeping the show secret. And uh, when people do see him or bump into him, like bump into him in Forbidden Planet, he's absolutely lovely and great. Mm. But, you know, it feels like we're missing a little bit of, um, uh, you know, uh, someone that was, uh, you know, another person that grew up with Doctor Who and loved it that we want to hear from. So maybe hopefully one day. Yeah, the lack of Doctor Who Confidential... Uh, maybe it feels like a loss there. We don't. We haven't got his voice in the way that we had Russell T. Davis and Stephen Moffat. Is the uh, Chibnall clip in the Twenty Three box set? I didn't watch those bits. It is in the Trials and Tribulations. Uh, I haven't rewatched that. Actually. No, I didn't. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> the one. Like... the first time I've never watched that yeah. again. <laughs> so, so he does feature, I suppose, in the uh, in the box set. Mm. Boo! All right. Ghastly <laughs> <laughs> <Castly> jacket. <laughs> you should have done a commentary track or something on Vervoids or I, know, yeah. I imagine he's quite busy at the moment, so yeah. yeah. Doing rewrites of rumours are true, anyway. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Ah, there's always lots of rumours in Rumour the big rumour was that he was gone, wasn't it? <laughs> oh yes, and Jodie was going, yet HBO signed like the whole series on for another two years or something, hasn't it now? I think that is true. Or that they are—they've um, got the distribution rights for a further two series. But I think we already had something like um, a Chinese, Chinese distribution deal well, for, so. for five years from the beginning of series eleven. So the rooms so. of the series being cancelled this year slightly. Yeah, you think there's never been a point where it's like oh, we're definitely going to make it for five years, and people are still convinced it's on the verge of cancellation, aren't they? And some people are going to be so disappointed when it is, and that's the truly tragic thing about it. Yeah. The book shot in the Knights of Star Wars, anyway, right now, because it's a new Star Wars film. I've quite got into Star Wars fandom recently, and one thing you see about Star Wars fandom, they're really, really far worse than the Doctor Who fans. Wow. Some of them are really deeply unpleasant people, so. (laughs) (laughs) So it makes me slightly pleased to be a Doctor Who fan, after all. Quite right. On that note, where can we find you guys on Twitter? Still on the increasingly inaccurate 50DW50. I am at Colin underscore Neil at, yes, at Twitter, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) But to give you my email address, what? Uh... (laughs) And your mother's maiden name is? uh... That's right. (laughs) Uh, I am at Quark McMullis. And you can follow the podcast as at Trap1 underscore. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram. 
um, iTunes and wherever you get your podcasts. If you feel like giving us a review or just a, a rating, it'd be very, very kind. Join me next time for episode 101. Huh. Not sure what that'll be yet, but... Uh, 1984 podcast. Stay tuned, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mark, congratulations on 100 episodes. Great stuff. Uh, thank you very much. Uh, well, um, thank you very much for, for taking part, because uh, it's, it's only really down to how good the co-hosts have been that... Um, Oh. Anybody listens to it, so and thank you very much for everybody that's listened. Got cool. some some cool episodes coming up. Can look at the uh, the target book. Yeah, the it's next uh, controversial. <laughs> yeah, is it? Well, after the Gareth Roberts debate. Oh right, yeah, of course, yeah. The Gareth Roberts free target book. Mm. <laughs> oh, is it? Oh, yeah. He was he was uh, let go from the collection because uh, there was there was complaints about so, his inclusion given his uh, social media because of his non inclusion of other people. Yes, yes. Oh, that's very good. I like that. Person. Oh yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that's a very nice way of putting it. Yeah, good. I'm glad he's gone. Yes, me too. Not a not a pleasant man. No, not needed. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that'll no, be good to good to get your take on that. I've got it. It's weird. There's no contact page anyway. Oh yeah, totally. Anyway, yeah. I didn't realise it was. Like, oh god, I'm so behind on everything. Uh, it's days. only been out about a week or so. Oh, right. Yeah. Um, but as you say, everything's everything's out this month. I've got a mountain of big finish to get through as it is, and there's yet more yeah. this month. So uh, any holiday. That's it. Well. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's uh, we'll let every uh, everybody else get on with reading the the target button, listen to the big finishes, and and, and sign off. So again, thanks very much, and goodbye. Bye bye. Cheers. Bye.